Hey, Jen, want to talk about oral sex? Shut your mouth. Great. Today, we're going to devote an entire episode to oral sex. Is it biblical? How to overcome aversions and how to improve the experience. Let's do it. Welcome to the Intimate Covenant Podcast, where we believe the Bible and great married sex both belong on your kitchen table. That's right, we're talking about holy, covenant-bound, intimate relationships with hot sex. We're Matt and Jen, founders of Intimate Covenant. We offer biblical teaching and resources to help married couples achieve a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life. For more information, visit our website, IntimateCovenant.com. Welcome, friends. Welcome. So good to have you along for another episode of the Intimate Covenant Podcast. That's right. Here we are, Matt and Jen. We are, Matt and Jen. Just doing our thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, Matt, tell us what you've been doing this past week. Oh, dear. Uh, Well, this past week, uh, some friends and I uh, hiked across the Grand Canyon, which... uh, Yeah. It was a long way, and uh, (laughs) it was a lot of work going down and then back up. Uh, We did it over two days, had a blast. Uh, Pretty remarkable. My body is suffering the consequences of that uh, as we speak, but uh, (laughs) well worth it. Certainly, it was a good time, Um, great experience, one of those bucket list things that I just never thought I would have the opportunity to do, and the opportunity presented itself, and it was... uh, yeah, it was, it was great, even for an old guy like me. <laughs> so if you hear Matt groaning, just you're going to have to excuse <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, uh, standing up. or hope, Fortunately, not, none of this uh, podcasting requires going up and down stairs. So uh, we should be okay as far as that's concerned, at least for now. I, uh, I might recover eventually. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of grand. Uh, okay. Ooh, how do, how do you like segue. that? Thanks. Wow. We have gotten some grand reviews lately that I just wanted to take a minute and share a couple of them. I can't wait. Please share. This one says, Matt and Jen give real world and practical advice to Christian married couples. Listening to their podcast has transformed our marriage and given us hope that we can be extraordinary. Much love and thanks. Oh, wow. I thought that was a cool one. Got another one that says, Uh, that we love Intimate Covenant. What a blessing it has been to our marriage. Thanks, Matt and Jen. Another one says Intimate Covenant does such an amazing job of talking honestly and openly about connecting through sex. Matt and Jen do a great job explaining difficult topics from a biblical viewpoint. Thanks for their help. Oh, wow. Such a... Such complimentary things. We're we're very humbled uh, that that folks uh, enjoy what we're doing and hopefully are benefiting from what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, we just give God the glory for His perfect plan, and we're just uh, humbled to try to try to share that. As try best to we share can. that, and and we are willing to talk about the hard things, <laughs> yes. which leads us to. <laughs> today's topic. Well, yeah, here we go. I mean, <laughs> speaking at, of talking about things that nobody actually wants to talk that's about. That's true, especially in a in a biblical kind of setting. Right. Uh, but at, at m- almost all of our live events, um, whether it's classes or seminars or even at the retreat, 
um, we offer the opportunity for people to submit anonymous questions, mm-hmm. and we'll try to answer as many of them as we can in the time that we have allotted. And um, as Jen and I were reviewing this running list of questions that we have received over time, mm-hmm. we just realized that one of the most popular topics for these questions is oral sex, sort mm-hmm. of in a, in a general uh, category. Oral sex is a is a very common theme in, in many of the questions. And right. in fact, uh, at the retreat this year alone, we had no less than five separate questions about oral sex. And what really jumped out to me, Matt, is that despite the fact that this question gets asked to us all the time, we've never actually done a podcast episode solely devoted to this topic. Interesting. I, so I don't know here how we that's go. happened. But... Tackling the hard questions for you guys. <laughs> so, yeah. Here, this, so what, what we're looking forward to in this episode is a somewhat less than comprehensive guide to oral sex. Uh, are we really looking forward to that? <laughs> we're going there. We're going there. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it, and it's clear that based on the feedback that we get from comments or questions or even conversations um, with folks uh, that... People are coming to this topic from many different places of mm-hmm. morality, different places of emotion, uh, different places of desire or pain or rejection or uncertainty, whatever it is. Everybody's coming at this topic from different places. Right. And, and I think we also see that so many have no idea how to approach this topic and that it's really clear that for a lot of married couples, this is a real source of conflict. Oh, yes, that's very clear in many of the questions that we get. I mean, for example, here's just some of the questions that we have received over time. And this is certainly not a comprehensive list, but just a few that we just kind of picked out um, from from some of these questions. Yeah, like the first one begins, oral sex, gross! <laughs> Exclamation mark. <laughs> hey, you got to love this person's honesty, hey, right? Yeah, we know how they feel. Uh, goes on to say, why should this ever be something I consider adding into my sex life? Mm, or what can be done about the bad smell of the vagina? Is it really acceptable for my husband to ejaculate into my mouth during oral sex? Is it acceptable and safe to swallow semen? Why does my husband even want me to do this? Right. Uh, another one is any tips for making oral sex taste better? Or how about this one? Do you have suggestions for being comfortable with my sexy man giving me oral pleasure? I'm very self-conscious. I, uh, oh. I, I love that she calls yeah. her husband sexy man. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. <laughs> good. I like that. Uh, th- and finally, uh, my wife thinks oral sex is gross and thus does not want to do it often. How do I convince her that it isn't gross to make this a more frequent activity? Right. So, and perhaps you have some similar questions, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, last week's episode, in fact, was intended to address these kinds of questions and attitudes about, you know, how do I convince my spouse to do something that I want to do that they don't want to do? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that I think that's a good place to start with these kinds of questions. But Right. If you've not listened to episode one, 114... Mm-hmm. Listen to that one first. Yeah, last week. Um, Because it does, I think we gave some great advice of what do you do when you're in the place of saying, how do I convince my spouse about something? Whether Um, it's good advice or not, I don't know. But at least it's some (laughs) things to consider if if you have those kinds of questions. But as with any part of our sexual relationship and really any part of our lives, right, 
the first question to consider about oral sex is whether this practice is biblical or not. Absolutely, because that's where, you know, we, we love and one of the reviews that we just recently got really focused on the fact that that's where we first start and that, yes, that's who we want to be. First and foremost, let's look at this through the lens of God's word. Yeah. So is oral sex in the Bible? Well, I mean, we, we have addressed this in other episodes, like uh, I think even our first episode, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Some even of those episode very first ones. five or so yeah. is... Uh, when we were podcast oh, newbies. We were those terrible. are hard to listen to to me, yeah, but we, yes. We were terrible, but it's, it, there's maybe <laughs> some, some information in there worth gleaning. But here's maybe just a summary of some of those different ideas, but more specifically looking at uh, some of those principles um, from the perspective of is oral sex... Uh, something that is um, biblically authorized or not. And I think the the short answer is yes. I think that oral sex is biblically authorized. And here's how I would justify that. Uh, and maybe you can think of some ways where this line of reasoning might be right or wrong. And certainly we would love to have your feedback at podcast at intimatecovenant.com. Um, I think there's three types of sex that are explicitly referred to in a positive way in scripture. Um, the first being intercourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't think anybody would argue. I mean, that intercourse is required if we're going to be fruitful and multiply, right? Taken from right. the very first commandment given to Adam and Eve in, in Genesis 1 is to be fruitful and multiply. And God doesn't tell us exactly which means of intercourse or what positions of intercourse uh, we're supposed to use or not use, and right, that's never right. given explicitly. So I think that probably includes all types, all positions, and, and one certainly can't find any specific biblical reference to a specific sexual position, right? Right. But but there's the position known as missionary position. So, you know, you're sure that's not in the Bible? It, it's definitely not <laughs> specifically outlined uh, in Scripture. I, I would tell you that bi- the missionary position is not a biblically approved sexual position any more than standing on your head is biblically approved yeah, or side not. Side note, who in the world came up with the phrase missionary position? It's a long story, and we're not going into that in this episode. <laughs> he, but he does know. Okay, next Q&A. Somebody ask that question. <laughs> Make Matt answer it. If you'll send me an email, then maybe we'll try to answer the question. <laughs> okay, keep going. Okay, the other, the, the other uh, I think, biblically referred to um, position is manual stimulation. Mm-hmm. And that's mentioned in Song of Songs by, chapter... By manual, just to be clear, you're meaning stimulating your one another with hands. Yes, per- correct. Yes. Uh, the, I think that that's explicitly referred to in Song of Songs chapter 2, verse 6, and in chapter 8, verse 3. Mm-hmm. Look them up. This is not the, the episode about manual stimulation, but you can certainly look those things up if you would like. And then finally, I think oral sex is, in fact, specifically referred to also in Song of Songs. Uh, chapter 2, verse 3, and chapter 4, verse 16. Read those. You'll see that, yes, there is very poetic language being used to describe that activity, but it doesn't take much imagination or much poetic license to recognize that that is the activity that is being described. Right. And and I think, I mean, even backing up from there, you know, if, if we believe and we know that it's okay to kiss our spouse on the lips, which... Song of Song, verse, chapter one, verse one. That's how it starts, right? So if kissing is okay, why would we think that there's a biblical line 
that it's not okay then to kiss on other body parts, right? Like there's right. There's God no didn't line. draw. He didn't draw a line mm-hmm. on your neck or your ears, or he didn't draw a line on your chest or your navel. Uh, th- there's no line that makes something. Right. right or wrong morally, if your right. lips are allowed to be on your spouse's face, then um, why would they not be allowed to be anywhere else? So I think we can say, again, starting from the standpoint of how, what does the Bible say about this? It is referred to in the Bible, and it's especially not prohibited it, within yes. Scripture. And I think that's maybe another important point to make is that certainly oral sex nowhere is there a, a prohibition? It's right. never specifically mentioned in uh, in an immoral way. Right. It's only mentioned positively in Song of Songs. Right. Um, but I think another side of this, though, is the fact that what makes something wrong is more than just the activity, right? Because especially in, with respect to oral sex, perhaps what's more important is the context and the motivation, yeah. And that's also true with other types of sexual activity, right? I mean, if I were to ask you, and I do this often and probably shouldn't, but it's because it's a trick question. But if I were to, if I ask a crowd of married couples, is penile vaginal intercourse right or wrong? In a mission, is missionary style sex right or wrong? Mm-hmm. And the overwhelmingly, the answer is always, well, of course it's okay. But what if it's rape? Mm-hmm. That's missionary style sex in a lot of cases, but is it right or wrong? Absolutely well, wrong. Well, what makes yeah. it wrong is not the activity itself. What makes it wrong is the context and the motivation. Right. Um, and so the context and the motivation and the specific activity all must be evaluated as to whether it is right or wrong. And this is the tougher question. This is what requires some really serious self-examination and some honest introspection. Um, mm-hmm. This means that what is right and holy for some couples may not be wise or holy for other couples. And I think that's a big point and a point to dwell on mm-hmm. that um, just because the couple that sits next to you in the pew on Sunday morning is doing it doesn't mean necessarily that it's right for you all yeah, to be doing it. Absolutely. So. Uh, for example, I mean, if oral sex is a trigger for improper lustful thoughts, or if it's a painful trigger for unwanted memories, it may be best to avoid the practice until, mm-hmm. if or until one of you, one or both of you can learn to avoid or to control those thoughts or memories. Right. Um, so again, the, the context and the motivation, all of that is just as important as whether or not, you know, it's quote unquote biblically authorized because it's going to really be something that has to be evaluated on a case by case basis. But I I think the important thing is, um, as with all preferences, don't draw lines where God has not drawn a line. So, you know, we're starting this out by saying there's nothing immoral about oral sex within the context of a husband and wife loving covenant relationship. Yeah, at least you know? in and of itself. But right. again, it may not be the right thing for your marriage. So right. we're, you Which know, we're not trying obviously to... you have to have conversations. We'll get into that a little bit <sighs> more as we go. But I think, Matt, <laughs> the biggest thing that I hear um, coming from this, you know, questions about 
oral sex is really this idea of like, why even bother, you know, or am I really missing anything if we're not doing this or, or what is the big deal? I mean, do I really have to do this? Mm. And I think that's a heart, the heart of a lot of these questions. Right. It gets down to a preference. And again, it's, Mm -hmm. it's this gridlock of, I want this, my spouse wants something else. And there's not an in-between here. You're either doing this or you're not. Um, There's no middle ground with oral sex. (laughs) You are either doing it or not doing it. Exactly. So, um, you know, as we've suggested before, couples with the most extraordinary sex lives are generally those that have incorporated many ways to provide sexual pleasure to each other. Yeah. I love how you've referred to this before as having sex insurance. (laughs) There may come a day, there probably will come a day when whatever your preference is might not work. You may find that body parts don't work the way that you would like them mm-hmm. to work, um, you know, or, or something happens that prohibits you from using certain body parts. And so you build insurance in your marriage when you have multiple ways of sexually sharing each other's bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just, that's really important. I mean, to be clear, we're, we're not here to recommend or prescribe or even require oral sex for your marriage. Let's let's yeah. make that perfectly right. clear. Right. We're, and I, I hope we've made that clear already, but we're, we're not here to tell you that this is something that you have to do. Right. There's certainly plenty of happy marriages with completely satisfied sex lives that don't have anything to do with oral sex. Yeah. There's plenty of happy people walking around that don't eat chocolate. There's plenty of happy... Are they happy, though? There's plenty of happy people walking around that don't eat McDonald's. There's plenty of happy people walking around that don't do a lot of things. Sure. And there's plenty of, you know, married couples that have kids. There's plenty of married couples, happy married couples that don't have kids. So we're, we're not telling you that this is the only way to have a successful or satisfied or even an extraordinary marriage. Right. But we're here to just kind of dig into the... Where does the gridlock come from and the why, mm-hmm. you know? And whether or not you incorporate oral sex into your marriage bed is ultimately up to you and your spouse. But we hope that, you know, with this episode, we can at least encourage you to find as many ways as possible to share sexual pleasure in your marriage bed. And if there has been conflict surrounding oral sex, Let's lean into that mm-hmm. and discover yes. the whys that's, of that. Yeah, that's the real you thing. You may come to us an understanding that, you know what, we've leaned into this, we've discovered our whys, and this isn't right for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fine. But don't say it's not right for you when you've never had the conversations. Or even if you have had the conversations, it might be time to revisit those conversations. Very true. And sometimes, honestly, even if you still come to the same conclusions, mm-hmm rethinking it can change your marriage and your relationship in a lot of other ways. Absolutely. It might not change the practice of oral sex, but it may change so much else about your relationship, your closeness, your your feelings of intimacy, and the ways that you express intimacy with one another. Right, right. That can lead to a great conversation of not this, but this. Sure. You know, so, but if you want to consider oral sex, we're here to give you some 
possible benefits sure. of oral sex, sure. right? Well, I, I think maybe one of the, um, I don't know, one of the overlooked benefits of oral sex is that it can be such an intimate expression. It, it is a deep demonstration of intimacy. It, it's, and I, I like thinking about it this way because we tend to think of oral sex solely in the physical act, and yet if we think about it, this is a place of such deep intimacy because it requires so much vulnerability mm-hmm. and tenderness with each other. Yeah. That's dealing with the emotional part of right. sex in now, a very different way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, now I, I've also heard it objected to because there's less eye contact or because it separates faces. So there's less of that kind of interaction. But I think if you're doing this, well, I wouldn't say right, but there are certainly ways to to perform and receive oral sex where there's plenty of eye contact mm-hmm. and where there's plenty of expression and feedback and connection, even though you're not face to face, it still can be quite a, a an intimate experience. Right. Um, I, I would also add that oral sex, one of the benefits is that it's just a uniquely pleasurable sensation. That there's no other way to have the kind of or experience the kind of sexual pleasure that you get from oral sex. It's just different. That's why it's so appealing. Right. And I think another great benefit to oral sex is you can't get pregnant. Well, as long as that's all you're doing. <laughs> so okay. yes. if, if there is a time where you are trying to avo- avoid a pregnancy, oral sex is something you can do sexually. It's not going to no, get you pregnant. No risk of getting pregnant if you're performing oral sex. Um, and maybe along those same lines is that it, it's a sexual practice and sexual intimacy that does not require penetration. Right. And in situations where, you know, for a, a, for instance, a, a wife performing oral sex on her husband may be a good option for when she's not capable of intercourse, whether that's because she has vaginal pain or she's pregnant and it's uncomfortable or periods or whatever else, like in Ill, whatever other illnesses might prevent um, intercourse, mm-hmm. it's a great option in those cases uh, because it doesn't require intercourse. Right. And and same thing is true for a husband. I mean, if a husband is dealing with difficulties with ED or, you know, PE. Um, That's... Erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation for the uninformed. Uh, and now you had to say the words and not me. So <laughs> I that score was, on my part. That was your trick, wasn't it? Okay. <laughs> I mean, so obviously this is something that a husband can do for his wife when it, it maybe parts of his body aren't working the way that mm-hmm. he would want them to work. Right. So just in general, if you have to avoid intercourse... Mm-hmm. This is a great alternative um, right. and a way that both of you can experience pleasure and intimacy and connection without having to perform intercourse uh, for whatever the reason might be. Right. Now, I think for most couples, the conflict that comes because of oral sex is, and like we saw in most of the questions that we get, is that one partner wants it, either they want to give it or they want to receive it. And the other doesn't. So it's not necessarily that we got to convince them 
that there are benefits to it. We've just got to deal with this conflict. Right. Because, I mean, if you both think it's immoral, you may both be wrong from a scriptural standpoint, (laughs) but at least there's no conflict in the relationship about it. Absolutely. Right. I'm sure you can find plenty of other things to disagree about. (laughs) We're Uh, not trying to create a conflict that may not be there. Right. But that said, in general, the resistance to participating in oral sex may come from spiritual, emotional, or physical blocks. Right, or some of, combination of those. Right, and that, that's kind of how we're going to at least approach it or deal with it. I, I would kind of divide those blocks or that resistance into those three kind of main categories. And I think we already kind of started touching on like potential spiritual blocks, but by that we're meaning, you know, concerns that the that oral sex itself is immoral. Yeah. Uh, we've discussed what the Bible has to say already about oral sex. Yeah, but more subtly, some may hold opinions or feelings that oral sex is, quote, dirty, mm-hmm. or it's inappropriate in some other way. Right. Some may associate the practice with immoral contexts or with certain types of immoral people. Right. Right. So in other words... Even though the objector, you know, that is the one who doesn't want to have oral sex, even though they understand that there's not a specific biblical objection, in other words, you know, they don't have a book, chapter, and verse, right? But they Mm -hmm. still feel dirty or wrong doing it. Right. And that's the kind of spiritual block that is probably more common than the one with the person who thinks that it's, you know, biblically mandated that you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's this feeling that it's dirty. Yeah, um, right. And that's something that's maybe a little bit hard to quantify. It's certainly harder to uh, talk about and definitely harder to have a um, logical conversation about, right? You can't argue with a feeling if you're trying to come at this with facts and figures. Right? Yeah, but if you're the one with that feeling, we're going to challenge you to lean into that. Mm-hmm. Right. Identify that feeling and don't just let that be a block, but let it be a bridge into you discovering all the more why is it that you feel that yeah. way and what work do you need to do within your own heart to re-examine that? Absolutely. Um, physical blocks are physically limiting factors. So these are things like illnesses or Uh, maybe even something as simple as obesity or Mm -hmm. just limited flexibility or other disabilities that would prevent one or both partners from participating in oral sex. So most physical blocks that prevent oral sex would unfortunately also prevent a lot of other activities, including other kinds of sex, right? Um, If you uh, are, are too obese to enjoy oral sex, you might are also, and you are probably also having challenges in having other kinds of physical uh, intimacy as well. Right. Um, that said, some physical factors are reversible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and others may not be reversible. Some of some physical factors that make sex more challenging are not reversible. They mm-hmm. are something that you're going to have to deal with. If that's the case, then it's going to take some creativity on your part and probably some extra effort on your part to overcome those factors. Right. Um, there are certainly some factors that are truly going to be just insurmountable. There are some things that you just can't do. If you are paralyzed from the waist down, there are just certain things that you are not going to be able to do. But that's where we are always here to challenge you 
to lean into and redefine sex because there are always ways to share your sexual energies with one another, even if that means just holding each other's naked bodies. Yeah, absolutely. So you can still have a sexual relationship even mm -hmm. if you are not participating in things that most other couples would be doing. I think, though, a, a lot of the questions that we get come because there's an emotional block to oral sex. And that, a lot of times, is coming from a disgust response. So mm -hmm. the husband's saying things like, I really want my wife to have oral sex with me, but she just thinks it's gross. Or the wife's saying, I think this is gross. Those are all coming from a place of disgust. And disgust is an emotional response of rejection or revulsion to something that that you consider repulsive or harmful or offensive. Right. An emotional revulsion can be so strong that it evokes a physical response. Yeah, like a gag reflex. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a very simple uh, explanation of that. that. That disgust is, it is, in fact, an appropriate response to things that are physically harmful, right? right. Like poison or rotten food is supposed to evoke this emotional and even physical response in you yeah. um, that the, the sight or the smell of those things causes this emotional response and even okay. a physical response. Don't, don't get us so much that we're all gagging okay, here. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> we but, all know what that means. <laughs> but disgust can also be connected to things that aren't necessarily physically harmful, right? Yes, like we can, it, disgust can be a learned Behavior. Yes, uh, it can be connected to behaviors. To it can be connected to smells. It can be connected to tastes that aren't necessarily harmful, but our brain has made an association that's difficult to break. Right, and I think oral sex is a place where the disgust response can be triggered, even though there's actually nothing necessarily about it physically, emotionally, or spiritually that is harmful. Mm. Right. We can still have that disgust response. And so that becomes this huge emotional block. Right. But I think it's important to recognize that the disgust response is something that can be overcome. Yeah. In almost every case, regardless of what we're talking about, whether we're talking about oral sex or not, it's something that can be overcome. I mean, how do you think that there are people that do some of the disgusting kinds of jobs that they do on a daily basis? <laughs> Things that you and I would not be able to handle. Right. Uh, it, Even though disgust feels like it's, you know, we have no choice in the matter when we feel disgusted by something, you actually do. You can learn to overcome disgust. And so I think the place we can kind of land this episode is really just taking a moment to think about, well, what if that's your block to oral sex, how can you work through that? How yeah. can you maybe overcome and begin to to challenge that disgust response within yourself? Well, I, I mean, the, the place I would recommend starting is to be curious. Uh, even though the tendency is to run from the disgust response, like right. whatever it is that's causing that feeling, our tendency is to avoid it, avoid thinking about it, avoid talking about it, avoid any kind of association with it. I would challenge you to be curious about it right? and start asking questions like, okay, is this something that's actually going to be physically or emotionally harmful to me? Mm -hmm. uh, if not, 
then why am I opposed to it? Why am I anxious about it? And start asking the why questions. Right. Uh, Think to yourself, like, what does oral sex mean to me? Mm. And what does oral sex mean to my spouse? You know, probably if you're dealing with a place that this is conflict, well, that's because it means two different things to you. Yeah. So start leaning into what what does that mean to both of you? And, And when you're considering yourself, you know, ask yourself if you have any unnecessary beliefs or moral objections about sex specifically oral sex. Yeah, I, I think a disgust response can even come from a spiritual place. It's Absolutely. not always just an emotional response. Sometimes it starts with a spiritual feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, why do you think there are so many people that I know that absolutely love alcoholic beverages and there are mm. so many people that are repulsed by them? Mm-hmm. And I think that's not because they're necessarily taste good or bad. The so people don't have completely different taste buds. Yeah, right. It, it's, a, it's. I think it starts from a spiritual yeah. uh, objection, and you know, I'm not saying one's right or wrong necessarily. That's not the point of the discussion. The point is that the the even a spiritual um, mm-hmm. feeling can evoke a disgust response. So right. again, do I have any unnecessary moral objections about sex or? oral sex. I think that's a good question to start with. And when we're thinking about like learning to be curious versus running, I think one way that we can really um, focus on that curiosity is learning to see things through our spouse's eyes. Mm. This is especially true if you're the spouse who is resistant to oral sex. Instead of running away from it, have a conversation with your spouse where you just simply listen to them describe what it would mean to them to either give or receive oral sex. Mm-hmm. Stop the voice in your head that is trying to fill in all the reasons why this is a horrible idea and start just getting curious about your spouse. And within that, find ways of lowering your defenses while you're listening to your spouse's heart. Take deep breaths while you're listening to them to kind of calm that response within you. Yeah. Clear your head enough to see it from their eyes. Yeah, stop stop spending your those moments trying to find ways to defend your position and just mm-hmm. simply hear their heart. Right. Hear what they're trying to say, try to understand and try to feel what they're feeling. Um, that I think that's where those conversations have to begin. But, you know, one place where there are a lot of objections here are sometimes based on just an inaccurate knowledge of anatomy and physiology. Well, yeah, sometimes I mean, there's we, a, a lot of things that happen below the belt. Well, and there's a lot just of is all kind of close together. Well, yes, but at the same time, there's also a lot of things happening down there that we've never been accurately informed about. Absolutely, Our parents didn't teach us. Our school system didn't teach us well. Mm-hmm. Pornography is not the place to learn these things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and, and the locker room is certainly not a good place to learn what's actually happening. Right. So it is understandable that we can be you know, have disgust at the thought of putting our mouth close to parts of the body that are meant for elimination, right? And that just 
that can feel that quote-unquote dirty. Yeah, absolutely. But, but let, let's just be clear about this. There is nothing unsanitary and there's nothing dangerous about having oral sex, whether it's oral sex on a man or on a woman. There's nothing unsanitary or dangerous about it. In fact, in terms of causing medical harm, oral sex is less risky than intercourse. Interesting. Because you can't really do much harm with oral sex unless mm-hmm. there's teeth involved, which was maybe <laughs> that, that's a whole other episode, perhaps. No, that is not another episode. <laughs> We're going to avoid that one. <laughs> but I think another important point, especially for women, is that it is nearly impossible for a man to urinate while he is erect. That is a very important point that <laughs> nobody tells new brides, right? <laughs> like, we need the class that just says, Here's what it's happening in your groom's body, and here's what can and can't happen. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, vaginal fluids, semen, other sexual fluids—all of those are safe for consumption, as it were. Uh-huh. You're not going to get sick. You're not going to cause a UTI. You're not going to cause other problems um, with oral sex. It's all safe, uh, and it's not unsanitary. Right. Um, a- another. I think point about this disgust response that I think all of us need to be challenged by, regardless of what the topic is, is that we need to be willing to grow. Right. Whatever it is, wherever we are, whatever the topic is, we need to be willing to grow for the sake of our spouse and for the sake of our relationship. You are never right if you're coming at whatever the conflict is, whatever the conversation is. If you're coming at it from the standpoint of, I'm right. I've always been right. I will always be right. We're not talking about this at the end. That's that's a wrong place for you to be. Agreed. So being willing to have this conversation with your spouse um, is so important. And you can reject the invitation to having oral sex if you need to, but you should be willing to keep talking Mm. about it. And you mentioned that earlier. Just because you've had one conversation about this does not mean you will never talk about it again. If this is something that the two of you, one or both of you are interested in, you've got to continue talking about it. And so learning to say something like, it's a no right now, but ask me again in six months, that's a powerful statement. Yeah, that's a much better attitude. And I think that's something that most pursuers can live with if they believe you that you are willing to consider it and think about it and dwell on it right. rather than just outright rejecting them with with no reason. And you know, when we're talking about like understanding our bodies, I think it's also important that we understand even what arousal does in our bodies because and in your brain. And in your yeah, yeah, in your brain because for someone who is resistant to the thought of oral sex, You just need to understand that arousal is meant to make it easier to say yes. Now, obviously, that's within the covenant of Of your marriage, right? Ideally, yes. That's exactly right. So it might surprise you what you're willing to do within the safety of your covenant when you are, quote, intoxicated with love. Remember that command? Yeah. (laughs) To be intoxicated with love? Yeah. Because... That intoxication is meant to just lower those inhibitions 
that are kind of keeping you apart and draw you all the more closely together. And so, you know, you, you can really take advantage of that um, that arousal, lowering your inhibitions. If you, especially if you have spent some intentional time outside the bedroom, opening your mind to the possibility of whatever it is. Yes. Spend some time outside the bedroom, just dwelling on that a little bit and thinking about perhaps expanding your comfort zone a little bit. Right. And then in the moment, you can let passion move you in that direction. Right. Uh, ladies, you've heard me say this a lot, but this is what folding laundry time is all about. <laughs> I was at a ladies weekend and they were all sitting around complaining about folding laundry. And I was like, oh, y'all don't know how to fold laundry the right way. (laughs) So use that time wisely. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so clearly there's a lot to say about oral sex. Who knew? So we're going to cut this into a two-parter. Here we are. We've never... A series on oral sex? Are you kidding We've never done an episode on oral sex, and now we're doing a series on it. (laughs) So next week, we are going to go over tips and techniques to make oral sex easier, more fun, and more manageable for those that might have some apprehensiveness about it all. All right, Matt. So for now, give us our wrap-up. Okay. Oral sex is as biblically acceptable as any other means of sexual intimacy within a marriage covenant. Whether or not you incorporate oral sex into your marriage bed is ultimately up to you and your spouse. But... We hope we can encourage you to find as many ways as possible to share sexual pleasure in your marriage bed. Consider any physical, emotional, or spiritual blocks you may have, and if these blocks are helping or hurting your marriage relationship. Now it's time to grab your spouse and your Bible and head to your kitchen table to have the conversation about oral sex. What are you going to do to show your spouse that you are willing to expand the ways that you express your sexual intimacy? Thanks as always for subscribing, rating, and sharing the podcast. Thank you for encouraging and supporting us. Until next time, keep striving and don't settle. Thank you for listening. If you have something to add, we would invite your feedback, questions, and suggestions via our email podcast at intimatecovenant.com. To submit anonymous questions and feedback, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com backslash podcast. Click on the button, contact the podcast for an anonymous submission form. In addition to this podcast, Intimate Covenant offers group Bible studies, private couples coaching, premarital counseling, weekend seminars, and an annual marriage retreat. We would love to continue the conversation about God's plan for intimate marriage and holy sexuality with you and your friends. If you're interested in bringing us to your church or small group, please contact us, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. May God continue to bless your marriage.